Iowa Congressman Steve King was not allowed to fly on Air Force One during President Trump's trip to the Hawkeye State. King was reportedly disappointed, not about the lack of time with President Trump, but because he missed out on flying around in a big white airplane. King also doesn't blame President Trump because he blamed, well, you know. Uh, Shakira is facing six counts of fraud for not paying $16 million in taxes. So her hips don't lie, they just conceal income. And finally, Jupiter's moons will be visible later this month, but only if you toss it Mardi Gras beads. The Trump Report starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes, indeed. Welcome to The Trump Report. I'm Christian Blatt, joined, as always, by Chelsea Galicia. Hello there. And Scott Moore. Hey, guys. And uh, so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I I often think, like, oh, I just... I just don't know where to begin. I, I just don't know what was the most fascinating and interesting uh, thing from the past week, but I knew right away where I wanted to start this week. Uh, it's uh, on a topic we don't usually uh, talk about, uh, which is astronomy. Uh, <laughs> there's a little look, I think that uh, as we all get older in age, we should be willing to admit that we don't know everything and that we should be learning something. I hope that we learn something every single day. And uh, I don't know about you, Chelsea, but. I was fascinated to learn that Mars is part of the moon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I know Mars has moons, but it's apparently part of our moon. Did you know that before uh, before last week? Wow, I don't know how to answer trick questions. Uh, it's not a trick question. <laughs> it, is, it is a statement that is out there on the internet. and the you, internet. You would think that with all the education that I did have, that somewhere maybe it in law school, it would, yeah, how to answer trick questions. <laughs> um, improv class, I don't really remember that preparing me for this moment. So really, I, 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 got, I got nothing for you. Uh, and, and Scott, the, uh, the tweet uh, from uh, at real Donald Trump, in case you're not following him. Uh, for Definitely all- not. Definitely not. No, never will. <laughs> but you 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 could be tempted to get into a back and forth with him, right? You don't want to just leave it to Mitch I McConnell. I try to get him and, and you know everyone to you know, antagonize. I, I always feel like antagonizing President Trump online, mm-hmm. if you do it at the right moment, like he's going to see it and then you'll get mm-hmm. into the whole thing. It just depends. Because like, I don't think there, – there's not like, oh, there's only a certain level of person that he's going to you know engage in, You know, somebody with X number of followers. No, it's like if, if you catch his eye, he's right. going to have something to say. So what he tweeted was, for all the money we are spending, NASA should not be talking about going to the moon. We did that 50 years ago. By the way, I agree with that part. I, I don't know what we would need to go to the moon for. Uh, they should be focused on mu- the much bigger things we are doing, including Mars, parentheses, <laughs> of which the moon is a part, defense, and science. I love that the tweet ends with science. Mm-hmm. Uh, Exclamation mark. Yes. And uh, if this were the old days where we uh, could play music on the way, we would have, uh, mm-hmm. of course, heard Blinded Me with Science but mm-hmm. uh, by the great Thomas Dolby. Uh, Scott. We, we, again, nothing's surprising anymore. But um, did this have to? Did, did you at least have to stop for a minute? Like, no, because I had to make sure it was a real tweet. Because I did, I, actually, I did too. Yeah, you because thought the Onion had taken well, over his no, Twitter account. But people do post. You know, if you post it's, a graphic, yeah. you can take his his at real Donald Trump mm-hmm. and you can change what it says very easily. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to like really look and be like, "There's no way this is real." Um, but it was, so I actually admit I was surprised, legitimately surprised. I didn't even know how to respond to it because usually I love to yeah. make fun of them. And I'm like, I don't even know, like you were saying, like I don't even know how to respond to that. 
What do you when even say? When too dumb to understand the insults, <laughs> then what are we to do? But well, I, I mean, beyond that weirdness, again, it was him contradicting his own administration too, which was even even crazier. Because I was trying to even think, okay, there's so many things to unpack here. Because first of all, you know, Vice President Pence and NASA was talking about going back to the moon just like two weeks earlier. Yeah, we and talked how about it on the show. And, yeah. and the money and everything that they're spending towards it. And then all of a sudden now he's contradicting it on top of not having any clue what he's even talking about. So, like, there were so many things there. I didn't. I, I had to leave it alone. So the question is, what is he obfuscating? What is he right. trying well, to that's, do? Well, that was my next right. question. Absolutely. Oh, so good. No, no, no. It's fine. Yeah. So, so why does that tweet? And look. Maybe he legitimately believes that. That's not the point. You know why? Why was it uh, timed? What? What? What was going on at that moment, at that, that, moment. We, that we weren't paying attention mm-hmm. to because we were too busy laughing at that? I don't know the answer, unfortunately. I, I don't either. Mm-hmm. But I mission think accomplished, by the way, mm-hmm. because it definitely just <laughs> yes. whatever it was. I was distracted yes. from it. It was very distracting. But yeah. we should probably and very confused. Yeah, I mean, we got to timestamp this. Like That's the true. times of his most outrageous. Mm-hmm. They're not. It's not even a lie. I don't think we could call it a no. lie. It's his. It's no, I mean, of I, yeah, I mean, I think painful just, ignorance. Maybe I, I don't know. But, I mean, but some somebody is looking out at like what happened at that time, mm-hmm. and like Congress and one of the committees, or like something happened around the country or the world mm-hmm. that was maybe embarrassing to him, or I'm not exactly sure. But I mean, I guess this is taking some time away from talking about the fact that the Mexico deal is, you know, maybe not a new deal. I mean, maybe this is just you know give us something else to talk about. Um, to distract from the other lie that he has told. So I, 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 I just, I, I, I hope and I pray that there are some swing voters that are just so, that they can even still be surprised, that they're so surprised by this level of stupidity that they're like, I, 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 I can't not vote for the other guy or gal this time around. Right, like they're so fed up, essentially. They're so tired of this ridiculousness and that they'll really like the the children in you know being separated mm-hmm. from their parents if that wasn't enough no. for you you know that kind of empathy mm-hmm. type thing you don't really care about kids and what okay but maybe uh moon and and uh, mars being part of the moon or is Mar- the moon part of mars i'm not sure which one Mars parentheses of which, which is part, part of, of the, the moon. moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe that is maybe that is it. That is the line drawn in the sand. I think you also run into the the problem, and I'm not speaking for myself, but uh, just you know, it's like I, the example I use all the time that here in California, people voted for Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor because they thought it was funny that they could. Mm-hmm. So then it's just like, oh man. Uh, they people are going to still want these uh, these maybe the next one is that the moon it turns out actually is made of green cheese which mm-hmm. we've got long but like, I I've never seen proof that it isn't I've seen and I'm using air quotes for those not watching it I've seen moon rocks but uh, <laughs> did I get to taste them No I did not Did I get to spread them on a on a nice uh, triscuit I did not So I don't know that it's not made of green cheese So uh, that could be the that could be the next day um, So let's move on though uh, Scott. We uh, we often check on the impeachment <laughs> clock, and I think that maybe it hasn't even been plugged in in a while. It might be one of those like blinking Flashing. twelve o'clock deals. Yeah. But I don't know if you know this, but uh, I was reading that Saturday is actually 
Impeach Trump Day. Uh, it's, a, it's a day of action with 133 events planned nationwide. Uh, and just last week, that number of planned events was 75. So now we're up to 133. Uh, so several groups are involved. Uh, one's called Indivisible. Uh, one's called Move On. That's the one that I'm personally, I, I've at least heard of, uh, by the people and nearly 20 other organizations. Uh, so uh, some of the events will be protests, and some of them will include reading of pro-impeachment speeches from, uh, and I don't know that they're actually going to be speaking at these events. I think people are going to read speeches written by Elizabeth Warren and uh, Minnesota Representative, as resent, representative, easy for me to say, uh, Rashida Tlaib. Um this is, of course, not, and you know, and, and, and this is just more calling attention to it. To me, Chelsea, this feels a little echo chambery because I feel like these events are geared towards people who, you know, were already on board for impeachment. I don't know that, you know, but I guess maybe if you're in a city where some people say, "Well, there's a big crowd," let me go towards it, which is something I've never said in my life, by the way. <laughs> uh, I was like, "There's a big crowd." Yeah, I usually want to go direction. against it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, what do you think about having like you know all these events planned on a on a single day? Sure. I, I if this is our you know practice at being engaged in the political mm-hmm. process, then I am entirely supportive of it. And I do think that it might help shave some people off who are like, no, this isn't a good thing to maybe be open to it, because at some point we may have to. When I say we may have to, the people who currently, like including Nancy Pelosi, who are currently not on board for impeachment, mm-hmm. if they see that enough people are at least accepting of it, understanding of it, and it's got some pretty big public support. I think that's terrible criteria for choosing to impeach right. a president or not, but it seems that this is something that Nancy Pelosi cares about, that it's not politically popular at this moment mm-hmm. to impeach him. So, sure, if it, if it does... And, and, you know, I know so many people who by now are just turned off to politics at all uh, on TV and things, so if they see an event in their community talking about this, maybe they'll give it a listen because it's something local. What do you think, Scott? Uh, do you think, uh, well, do you see any negatives from uh, from calling this attention to uh, impeachment? No, not at all. And I think kind of what you were saying, Chelsea, is, is it's important for you know, Americans to have that freedom to be able to go out and, and gather and protest over whatever they feel they need to protest about. But I get what you're saying, too, about it being sort of the echo chamber. Will it attract new people and maybe take another listen? I don't know if, if it will, but I think it's important for those that, that feel that it's it's their right to be able to protest and that they should and there are a lot of issues there and like you were saying chelsea with nancy pelosi it feels that she is you know looking at the poll numbers too much Mm -hmm. and her fear of it being bad for democrats to go after this which i've said all along it shouldn't be after anything with polls should be thinking of not just this president and this congress but in the future because the 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 more that you allow things to happen now is the more that you're setting precedents for both parties in the future. So a Democratic president could do the same thing when the Republicans are in the House and controlling you know things and, and the tables will turn. And so I think it's just important to remember just for the long-term checks and balances of the country that uh, impeachment should always be on the table. And because it's such a, a general topic, too, of, of what Congress deems is impeachable is a lot different than what uh, you could be indicted for criminally um, is also very different, too. So those things are not mutually yeah. exclusive in that sense. I don't think it'll take a, a, somebody who's, like, way on the no side and be like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, now totally. Right. But those people that are kind of in right. the middle, yeah. 
those are the people yeah. that I think. I think it's very important, and it's very important influence. for people to be able to have that right as well. And I think the uh, the thing about Pelosi, what the impression you get is if she's sure that they could. They would definitely be able to, you know, actually pass impeachment, as it were. Uh, they know that they wouldn't get to remove him from office. Mm-hmm. I think that's the part. But uh, I think the idea that there's any chance that they could go through impeachment hearings and then actually not impeach him, I think that that's like that's the disaster. I think she wants to to try to avoid because then that's just you know, I mean, what a what a great uh, endorsement from uh, congressional Democrats for uh, President Trump getting reelected right. next year if it's like, see, look at that. That's another witch hunt that mm-hmm. I was able to beat. Right. That, I mean, that is true. If, if she feels any chance that she can't have a, a cohesive uh, Democratic caucus to be able to vote in favor of it, but I do believe if it did go for a vote that the House would um, and it would definitely vote to impeach him. But I think I, I think it's that, and, and she's very calculated, and she wants to make sure whatever she's doing is done um, the most successfully, obviously. And I think if she could, she'd want to be able to see the Republicans vote for it. But I, I don't know what her... It, it's, it's almost too cautious, and again, I think a lot of people, even going back to Mueller with the report, are playing in a different with a different type of president than what they've been used to and people that will actually adhere to the checks and balances and, you know, Trump just doesn't adhere to anything and people are still being too cautious and kind of playing the old game and not playing the new game that Trump wants to play. And uh, it's to their own detriment. And I think it could also come back in the other way and hurt Democrats if they don't feel like the Democrats are taking the control to hold this president accountable. They're going to feel less reluctant to go out and less passionate to go vote against him and, and vote for their candidate um, for president because they're going to feel like it doesn't matter what Democrats will, do. They're yeah. not going to they're not going to do anything to to rein him in. So, uh, well, the uh, the vote for impeachment, we have a pretty good idea what it would look like because uh, there was a very strict party line vote earlier today uh, to authorize the House Judiciary mm-hmm. Committee and other panels to go to court to enforce their subpoenas of the Trump administration, something that Chelsea and I spoke with a few weeks mm-hmm. ago when we had our guest, uh, Royal Oaks. Uh, just this idea that, yes, you can just ignore the subpoena for a while, but there will come a point where, you know, you'll actually, uh, you know, I guess you'll be in contempt of court mm-hmm. at a certain point. So this measure was adopted 229 to 191, which I guess is just the reminder that, you know, even though uh, Democrats got the House back, that's there's not a huge margin. I mean, yeah, sure, it's like 40. But, uh, you know, I think that that might also be uh, something that Pelosi's thinking about. It's like, you know, if we're not going to get 300 uh, votes in favor of impeachment, just something about the number maybe mm-hmm. doesn't look big enough. Uh, but, uh, Chelsea, because this is something that we spoke about, I did want to kind of touch on this. So is there still a way at this point, even after this resolution, people are going to still be able to ignore it? Like, what what has to happen for people to, you know, these Trump administration uh, people to actually be afraid of not showing up? Basically. Well, I don't know about these specific individuals. Sure. I don't know what no, keeps Don McGahn up at night. Yeah. But, you know, the courts have generally two ways of enforcing uh, subpoenas or, or ho- of holding somebody in contempt uh, monetarily. They'll fine you by the day, by the hour, by what, however long until you show up, or by putting you in jail. Um, so we'll see which of those is more motivating to people and which the courts feel is the right way to go because eventually they, they you know, this is, they're in contempt of, um, of, a, of a subpoena. So there, there has to be something. And as far as I know, those are the only two real ways that uh, the, the court will hold you responsible. 
Yeah, uh, and Scott, uh, you, you know, the to the extent that you're familiar with uh, the personnel past and present of the Trump administration, uh, this seems to be the sort of thing that, uh, you know, they're still kind of being encouraged to ignore it. So the, this probably doesn't change that much for them as far as you would No, I don't, I don't think it does. But like we were saying with the impeachment type things, it's, again, holding the checks and balances accountable because if you don't – pressure to keep uh, adhering to the subpoena, and again, Congress doesn't allow that to happen and they let it go, then again, they're sending precedents like anything else down the road for future presidents to ignore Congress and their subpoenas, and therefore, you've now weakened the checks and balances, and now you have an imperial presidency that's above any other uh, government and in, in, in the legislative branch, and so we just can't have that. So we have to be able to withhold subpoena power. I, I think Democrats would be well served to start using the term you know, we're getting to, sliding towards authoritarianism mm-hmm. when you just have the one guy, the one branch in leading or trampling on the other, on the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think this is, again, an opportunity or a mistake on the D- Democrats part as a party for not making the case better for why there is uh, oversight, for why Absolutely. there is independence whoops, mm-hmm. amongst the three um branches of, mm-hmm. of government and that this is an opportunity for all of us to preserve our democracy because if we don't then i, I mean what comes next we, we got one got call it what you want an authoritarian mm-hmm. we got a dictator what is it that you call it when when one guy is calling the shots and there's no one to keep them accountable right. i don't hear enough people talking about that i think i hear them say Oversight, oversight, oversight. I understand what that means, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that word has enough um, emotional charge for people to really get on board with why it's so important. And I think if you start framing it in terms of what Republicans use, this is law and order. This is mm-hmm. the Constitution. This, I mean, they say strict interpretation. They use like the letter of the law. They want to see what's in black and white in the Constitution. So we have to start using those terms that they use to start saying, hey, we're the party of the Constitution here, and you're undermining it. Right. And, and exactly what you're saying, I think the messaging has been not strong enough in this case, and in a lot of other cases with Trump. And, and it, again, seems like they're playing by the old rules again, and they're just letting things go and not have good, clear messaging. And oversight to the to the everyday voter doesn't mean anything, because the everyday voter, that might be a swing voter, or is a Republican, is like, oh, whatever, you know, you're just upset because of Trump, you know, got away, you know, got cleared by the Mueller report and and you won't let it go kind of thing. So you have to be able to be clear on exactly what is happening. Because again, like you said, what happens next? Does Trump declare martial law and cancels the 2020 election? Is Congress going to say anything to that? You know, like how far will he take it? And and the more that you allow him to get away with means that he's going to keep pressing further and further down the road Mm -hmm. into where it's a point to where does that end? Um, and and it is a little bit scary, and it, but it's also important for the everyday voter to know that there are checks and balances that the that the Congress is equal to the president, not beneath the president, not subservient to the president, and uh, and that there is a, a distinct ability to be able to to check what he's doing, and that's exactly what the Democrats were voted in for mm-hmm. by a huge margin in 2018 for that very purpose, and as well as other things. To the third co-equal branch mm-hmm. of government to also help. Congress hold the executive right. branch, the president, accountable. And also so. not be another political, not be politicized either, which is what's 
happening. Yeah. Uh, uh, not to spend too much time on this, but uh, I've, I think we haven't actually spoken about him on the show yet. So I, I did notice that uh, the, the Michigan Republican, Justin uh, Amash, is how I su- assume you say his name. I've only ever really read it. Uh, <laughs> he's the lone Republican uh, lawmaker who has called for President Trump to be impeached, uh, which will just, I don't know, just tell you a lot about, you know, sort of uh, party politics. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you, if we're reversed, we're Democrats, you probably wouldn't have that many people, you know, deviating from, you know, well, this is our guy and let's, let's, uh, let's at least stand by uh, until there's uh, something credible but uh, so he uh, amash has uh, uh, he had to resign well he didn't have to he chose to resign from what's something that's called the freedom caucus which i find uh, interesting because uh, i guess because he felt that he had the freedom to have an opinion that was different but he does not uh, especially after president trump called him a loser and a lightweight um it's, it's you know loser gets thrown around so much you know there's so many people that he thinks are losers but uh, so, you know, he, he said that he only called for impeachment to get attention through controversy. It's entirely possible. But uh, he, uh, Trump said that about uh, about uh, Congressman uh, Amash. And I don't know, I even know how to say his name, but I certainly hadn't heard of him beforehand. Oh, you oh. well, before this. Yeah, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, there's Look, there's a lot. There's <laughs> there's 535 people. Yeah. I probably like 20 of them, you know, if, I, if, I, if you really get down to it. And then there's like another that I... that, I, that Then there's like the worst of the worst that you just know who they are, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sort of like the, 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 the people whose faces you expect to see on those like FBI wanted posters up at the post office. Uh, but uh, are you... Again, this isn't a are you surprised question, but what do you think? I mean, this is completely hypothetical, Chelsea. In terms of like privately, do you think that there are a lot of, or at least a, a significant number of Republicans that should it have come down to it, you know, maybe it would have to be an election year or something, you know, they'd be running for re-election. Uh, do you think that there's more than one Republican that actually would support impeaching President Trump? Ooh. Wouldn't I love to know? Well, I mean, because I, I mean, let me just well, the, the footnote is you know obviously if you if you impeach Trump and you do remove him from office you'll still have a Republican president mm-hmm. no matter what happens you know what I mean so they're not going to lose you know people might think that that means that Hillary becomes president I don't know <laughs> but somebody might think that so anyway sorry what were you going to say um, I don't even remember uh, what uh, what I was going to say I mean the idea of actually having Pence as president mm-hmm. doesn't do much for me um, either so mm-hmm. I, I bet I bet he knows the difference between Mars and the Moon just on that one issue i'm just gonna put that one issue out there that might be that might be the, a difference. the only thing only thing that pence might do is actually and i don't know, know this to be true at all is respect the constitution and respect the the ways in which things are done like you you know when people are get served with subpoenas that they are told yeah you better show up because that's how it works around here in D.C. since we follow the well, letter yeah, of the I law mean, and the Constitution. Is, Pence is someone who I think uh, adheres to you know some of the language of the Constitution that all straight white men are created equal. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, <laughs> I think he feels pretty strongly about that. You know, uh, so. Yep. Uh, but man, which I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it requires like being able to read the Constitution and having a conscience for a Republican who is currently silent to actually say, you know what, if I'm doing what's right, if I'm upholding the oath that I made to this country and to the Constitution, um, and, and and if I can read correctly, and th- this is what the Constitution makes me do, is that I have to h- hold everybody accountable for what their duties are, and if they 
fall short, um, then you have to vote to, to impeach. But it takes a whole lot of, I guess, a big conscience. And I just don't have faith that the party ha- or, or that too many of them have enough of a conscience. I, you know, I, I, I think that that's like partly sort of a joke, except I was reading an article earlier this week or last week about sociopaths and how frequent um, the rate of sociopaths are in this country. It's actually very high in this country compared to other countries, which I'm not sure what that's saying about us, but literally one in 25 people. So a normal classroom is still 30 people. One of those people in a classroom has no conscience, has no, has very little, if any, ability to, to empathize and who has no regard for anybody's feelings or what's right or or anything like that. And of course, they say that the CEOs, particularly of banks, politicians, and other professions have a higher incidence of sociopaths. And I'm wondering if Elizabeth Warren should, you know, because she has a bill for everything, should have the prevent sociopaths in um, Congress in the White House bill, where we actually test people for this. And maybe that doesn't take them like out, but we all should know if they have a conscience or not, right? Because I, I would want to know that. Mm-hmm. I almost want to know that more than I want to know the tax situation, although that's needed for emolument stuff. Yes. But, but um, yeah, I'm big on... Uh, and to know if they're a sociopath, so you also know what they're involved yeah. in. Well, I, I was going to say, thankfully, uh, we live in Hollywood where we don't have to yeah. worry about... No. We don't have to ever worry about Thank running goodness. into sociopaths because uh, everybody's uh, on the up and up here. Yes. Uh, I did want to move along to uh, our... Uh, our <laughs> Christian's rela- like, I'm not going near that sociopath <laughs> But I'm dead serious. I think that should be the next movement is transparent sociopathy. In politics. I mean, that's kind of like uh, asking uh, Congress to vote for a pay decrease, you know, because I think just the art, uh, the act of running for uh, for a, a national office you, already, ha- you have to have some, some kind of, of tendencies. Can you, know. be, can you imagine being the one who is against that? I don't want... I mean, I mean can to, you, to publicly can, say, did, oh, did yeah. I just think of, did I just think of five people in the in the Senate who would definitely be against it because they they probably mm-hmm. feel like it describes themselves. <laughs> Some of whom maybe Scott tweets at regularly. Yeah, right. uh, but no, like ra- it's one of those things where rationally, yeah. of course, you, it yes. makes so much sense. But I think some people are like, yeah. hey, wait a minute, that's a little too close to home. Yeah, right. you know? uh, what I do want to talk about is uh, this uh, this deal with Mexico that, oh, uh, thank God, that uh, President Trump was able to uh, strong arm his way into getting Mexico to agree that uh, I guess that they essentially that they should be you know keeping an eye on their southern border uh, that that seemed to be the main thing. The interesting thing about this for me, Scott, is uh, the reports, which of course have uh, immediately uh, been denied and declared fake news by President Trump, that this deal was actually in place like a month ago, but he just made the big show of like I'm going to do these tariffs on on, on Mexico. Uh, and my favorite part of this is. He had that sheet of paper up today. And he's like, I want to tell you, but Mexico won't let me. I feel like, look, there have been a lot of, you know, we live in a post-truth society. There's been a lot of, no, no, look, for who we're talking about. And, you know, it's a little fast and loose with the rules. You know, I think that, again, nothing should really surprise us. But... 
the idea that he would need to wait for Mexico's permission to do mm-hmm. anything seems highly unlikely. What do you think about just sort of all of it? You can weigh in on on, on the sheet of paper, the tariffs, well, any and all of it. Well, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, which I hope that you know middle ground swing state voter is paying attention to this type of stuff and is like, enough with the circus. It's so ridiculous. And it would be funny if it was an episode of Veep or if this was not a real-life stuff, but for a president of the United States to take it out of his coat and say, here, this is the deal, but I can't say anything, which, of course, we know is a complete blatant lie. And also, when would you ever have any kind of, like, notes scratched on this is a major deal that you're doing on, like, two lines, it looked like? Right. The whole thing is just so absurd and stupid and... Regardless of what was going on or not, and and you know, for them to watch their southern border, the tariffs again are, are us paying for it, just like we're paying for the wall. It's not them that's paying for it; it's it's being imported to the to us, and Americans are paying for it. And it's just the whole thing is is so ridiculous, mm-hmm. so absurd that I really don't have anything else to say about it because it's it's idiotic. Well, I hope that in the days ahead we're able to use state-of-the-art technology and zoom in on that piece of paper. My suspicion is that it is actually a uh, KFC takeout menu right. that happened to be in his jacket pocket, although I'm sure he has his order in his head. Like yeah. He doesn't really need it, but it's more to let somebody else, you know, just like, here's what you gotta get me. Uh, but, uh, so we'll see. Uh, Chelsea, do you think that President Trump would like to tell us, but uh, Mexico says, no, you're not allowed to. Do you think that that's fairly accurate? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to keep saying, I don't know. I I guess Uh, I'm absolutely. Just want to make you say, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Sure. Uh, But, you know, again, so let's just say that you are preventing more people from coming in. Okay. That feels like a win except that the problems that gave rise to why they're leaving and our involvement in them is not going to end there. Exactly. It's just, it just doesn't work that way. And I know it can just seem, well, like, why wouldn't it end that way? You just logically, you place a barrier of people, and then those people in those countries um, cannot come right. here. They're end stuck of, there. Uh, end of That's story, it. we're safe. But it, it just it doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. Um, I don't know how to describe it, um, but... I, That's what I'm it's insane. I can't, you know, it's like karma doesn't quite explain it, but but we we did things that have consequences, and I don't know what people think happens when you just try and like step on the consequences. It's like consequences mm-hmm. they're not there, but they will end up coming up, and usually even worse mm-hmm. than they than they they would have. So um, uh, unless there is a real effort here to diminish the the demand for drugs unless there is a real effort to help clean up the the corruption and the overtake of those countries by corporations that help make our mostly our food incredibly cheap um, and starts giving these people a way to make a living for themselves and to um, you know stand up for themselves when they're threatened that if they don't you know, aid the a cartel. I don't know which you know that they're going to be killed or their family's going to be killed. Like these are, are, are real things that, that that are happening. That if we really want to solve this problem, we would be more strategic about this. But right. just placing human barriers to prevent people from coming up is just like stepping on. I don't know. 
a firework. It's going it, it, to, you can't see it for a minute, but then it's going to blow up and it's going to make things worse. So, and it's like, where we'll does that, and happen. where does that end? Like you said, like helping to quell the violence and the reasons why people are leaving their homeland to begin with. Like we always talk about, nobody wants to leave where they're from. They don't want to leave where they've grown up and their family is from and take their kids on this risky expedition across, especially this time of year in the deserts and the 110 degree heat. Nobody wants to do that. And it's, again, very pretentious to think otherwise that people are doing this just because they're just going to come in and, and they're going to live off of the, the U.S. government and all this ridiculousness. And again, like you're saying, we started these issues and by just putting up a wall and pretending like it doesn't exist anymore doesn't mean it just goes away forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like a domino effect. Where does that end? Then is there now Southern Wall and the Mexican Guatemala? Is there a wall between Guatemala and Nicaragua and, and El Salvador and Costa Rica it's and Panama? a series and of walls. They, going you know, all the way down. The side. I mean, it's just so silly. It. It, but that's what I'm saying. It's so silly. It doesn't yeah. do anything. Uh, well, uh, we only have about 10 minutes left, and I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, 2020. Hey, it's coming. Uh, that's not that soon, though. That's my um, hashtag. I always say to all the the fools, you know, like Mitch well, McConnell. Hashtag 2020 is coming. Yeah, I mean, uh, Election Day won't actually be for, what is it, 17 months. Uh, but uh, that's uh, not really stopping the uh, ever-increasing number of... Candidates, and uh, as we know that there, there, well, there will be one debate over two nights uh, later in the month, and uh, some of the uh, lower, let's put it a little nicely, some of the lower polling uh, declared uh, presidential uh, candidates are not that happy with the the way that the uh, system is set up. Personally. I think it's not strict enough. I think if once you have it over two nights, look, anybody who wants to run for president sure can. But uh, I, I personally think that uh, it really is, is diluting the pool to have this many people. And I know we haven't had any debates yet, but it's too many. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's there's kind of a reason why the the familiar faces and names are the ones that are, are polling well because it's like oh yeah I know who Joe Biden is and but what is the harm as you see it with having I mean even if it was eighty people right now all right which it whatever. might be by the end of the month it could easily be eighty people by the way <laughs> but that but what they're fighting against is the perception that the DNC went out and handpicked oh we like you and we put you in and we groom you and, and shape you and and that it's it's not. Um, a true democracy, that there is a lie that you get a choice. And to some extent, I uh, you know agree when the, the two candidates, the Republican and the Democratic, are picked by whatever the, the machinery is mm-hmm. of politics, then, yeah, we're given a, this appearance of a choice, but it's really a false choice because we had no say in who got up there in the first place. So maybe you're right that this is a bit too much, and maybe it would be called an overcorrection. But I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot, and make, maybe it makes our work a little harder. There's we've got a lot of names to keep up mm-hmm. with and positions and a lot stuff. Of studying to do. But I, that's I, right. I was up late at night poring over <laughs> Seth Moulton's website. It's my favorite. But name. I, but I, I think that it, I, I would rather too many than too few. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I I I go back and forth on it in 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 the sense and look and we all know this from the past that the machine machinery did pick, you know the the candidates way before there was you know any kind of primaries and the primaries were meant to open it up to make it appear that the people were picking these people. A lot of times they were still handpicked by each of the party's machinery. Um, so I think it is important. But I also go back and forth and thinking, like, I'd love to hear everyone's opinions. And then I feel like maybe after the first debate, some of those people maybe should look either at running for something that 
might be a better fit, like in the sense of the Senate. Like I, I do think about some of the candidates, like John Hickenlooper in Colorado, you know, that still come back to me, and Steve Bullock in Montana, where I feel, okay, it'd be great to hear from them in the debate, but are they going to get traction down the road, and could they hopefully be able to still, like Marco Rubio did, mm-hmm. still go back and run for Senate seat or something that they might be able to plausibly win in their state to be able to help Democrats down the road. So that's where I kind of have that back and forth where I think, okay, some of these people may not be able to rise to the top after a couple debates, and maybe they should think about running for something where they could have a I'm say. Sh- I'm sure they are. Which I'm hoping because, yeah, some of them I just feel, but I would love to be able, like you said, I'd love to hear from everybody and hear from all the different ideas, and then hopefully those best ideas from all those candidates can be also incorporated into right. the platform and, and as we move forward in the primary to, to the candidate that ends up winning. I think probably that's the, the situation for more than for at least one that I know of. Like, I know mm-hmm. the candidate Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. Mm-hmm. You know, his whole thing is if somebody else mm-hmm. is going to, you know, be a, sure. a voice for this right. issue, which is of automation and the fact that maybe we need something like universal basic income mm-hmm. to fight it off. You know, he's like, fine, I don't have to be a part of this. He's just giving the issue a platform. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure maybe there are others like that. So again, I, I don't see the harm. Maybe it would just be less complicated for us. But the other side of that is that fewer ideas. Mm-hmm. Um we hear. I mean, this is where I think this is probably where we get some of the the better ideas. And when we I have agree. candidates trying to differentiate themselves, trying to be more moderate or more mm-hmm. progressive, that this is where the bench of new ideas comes from. I mean, right. think of what happened in the primary la- last time. That there are a lot of Bernie's ideas you now became more mainstream. So there might be people that are just you know I want to put more attention on certain issues. I'm going to run for president. Mm-hmm. Sure and. Maybe it works to to uh, advance the the, right. um, the issue, and I'm all for that. And I'm I'm too. I think it's very important, especially as we move forward. Um, and not and and having less choice does not mean it's better. If we just had Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, I mean, it's it's good to be able to have all different backgrounds. And and as we as we are now, but as we move forward, yeah. I hope we can see that have, field win. When you have that, this many, they are fighting mm-hmm. for attention mm-hmm. and eyeballs and they have to mm-hmm. differentiate themselves and they have to come up with better ideas mm-hmm. and articulate things better and so oh he said it that way that really resonated mm-hmm. with people and so whoever does become the candidate can you know borrow that language say that really resonated mm-hmm. with people and so i think it's it's better for, for the party yeah, yeah i think that the uh, for the, the country the devil's advocate part of this is you're definitely taking away from people who will get a chance to actually be running for president you know by their being this many but i think that yes sure it's like i said it's a year and a half out so uh and i i think that we'll see a few people probably fall off pretty quickly after the debates because if obviously if your fundraising doesn't increase at all Mm -hmm. off of that then you realize okay so even if you have like a really good soundbite and you know your team makes a great meme out of it in some way and you still don't raise that much money Mm -hmm. it's like all right well you know what are what are we going to do try to you know hang on for another month for the the next uh, debates. So, uh, you know, look, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see, you know, because I think we, we've gotten the list of, uh, you know, who some of the moderators would be in because the first one's by MSNBC. It's some very familiar NBC slash MSNBC uh, personalities. So you, uh, you like to think that everybody will get, you know, at least, maybe not 100% equal time, but at least, you know, 
somewhat comparable time. And uh, that, you know, if they ask tough questions uh, of any candidate, I hope they ask of all of them. You know, I mean, I've I feel like we've watched some of these larger debates, you know, different networks, different parties in, in recent years where you feel like they're definitely favoring, you know, those mm-hmm. who are polling way ahead. Uh, you know, Joe Biden will probably get some extra questions. But, He's going to uh, have like a golden <laughs> Podium or something. And like the softball questions are given to this candidate yeah. versus other ones where you feel, okay, they're a little bit more intense. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be able to see that too, where, where it's, it is even keeled in that sense because I, we've definitely seen that in the past. But uh, speaking of uh, Joe Biden, because this happened uh, just a little while ago uh, before we started our show. Uh, President Trump uh, doing some uh, some nice way of indirectly endorsing <laughs> Joe Biden, uh, tweeting that he is a dummy and that he is the <laughs> weakest that he is the weakest <laughs> mentally uh, in the field. This was uh, as President Trump was uh, heading for Iowa. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, Chelsea. Do you think it could be effective that uh, if you have maybe video of President Trump calling you a dummy, the weakest mentally? maybe cut it together against things that President Trump has said, and you just come on at the end and you say, I'm Joe Biden, and I endorse this message. <laughs> and I, I know that, that the moon is not part of Mars. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like, this is the moon. He's holding up a picture. He's like, and this is Mars. Look how far apart they are from each other. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like being in his crosshairs uh, could, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, to me, it's free advertising for mm-hmm. for a, a guy that everybody already knows is right. running for president. Sure, but uh, you know, and, and do you the, the the actual direct question about this? Do you think it's because Biden is who he most wants to run against, so uh, he uh, continues to just hammer away mostly at him? I don't know if that's who he wants to <laughs> run against, but I think it's pretty. I mean, it feels very obvious at this moment. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are two and three. And I'm sure, actually, he would love to go up against either one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Biden's up front right now. And so that's yeah. who he's going to go after. I think that's the same thing. He wants to go after him because he's in front. And I also think he's the most scared of him in the sense that it's basically having this, I don't want to say the same person, but, you know, gaff-prone Biden, who is the folksy, white, older male that comes from a certain region of the country that is most likely to, that had voted for Trump, to most likely switch back over to the Democratic camp. And I think he's afraid of that because he knows Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin were basically lucky that he, that Trump won those in 2016. And there's a very good chance that those, all three of those states will go back in the Democratic column, as we saw in 2018, how they all went for Democratic governors and Democratic uh, senators by huge numbers. Um, so his campaign has to be looking at that and being very scared, thinking, okay, Biden could come in and steamroll being from Pennsylvania and take those states back. And he has a very hard shot. There was one poll that had Biden leading in, in Texas and a couple other candidates with Sanders and Warren being right there in, in Texas. So uh, I think that campaign has to be very scared, knowing they kind of won by luck in 2016 and that to be able to keep that going is going to be already difficult that they've started targeting other states, which I feel they have no chance in winning anyways. Trump's going after Nevada. And I said he was going uh, to Oregon. New Mexico, Oregon. Yeah. States. Minnesota, you know, I could see because that was always very close last time, but it has, you know, and it hasn't gone for a Republican president since Nixon in 72. So, but they're targeting states I feel that they're not going to be able to win and they're going to have a hard time holding the upper Midwest. And so I think they feel Biden is one of those candidates that could definitely peel away from them, and that's why he's trying to go after him early. Um, because I think, like you said, he'd much mm-hmm. rather go after 
Bernie or Elizabeth in the general because then you could paint them as, you know, socialists and, you know, be able well, to get the campaign out that way where Biden's more of a moderate. Right. But also, I mean, Biden, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are all people that he's uh, got a, a long track record of, uh, you know, sort of characterizing mm-hmm. in a very specific way. So it's uh, kind of easy to just uh, keep it up. Uh, but... We cannot keep it up because oh, uh, no. we are out of time already, and uh, there's so much that we left. I'm like, on the it table. stops. The clock stopped. The impeachment clock. Oh, <laughs> the impeachment no. clock stopped. 11, 11 seconds. 11 we seconds. can keep going. Hey, we might be 11 <laughs> seconds from impeachment. We don't know. Uh, but we will be back next Tuesday, and I believe our friend Tamara will be back with us next week. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, Scott, where do people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sman80. That's sman80. And Chelsea, where do people find you? Yeah, Chelsea Galicia. And you can find me at Christian DMZ on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thanks so much uh, to everybody who uh, tuned in, and we will see you uh, next week at next Tuesday at four Pacific, that's seven Eastern. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Our founder Kevin Undergaro and me Maria Menunos would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 